Welcome back to the United Pubcast for a rare pubcast on a Sunday, Larry. Ever since Manchester United did become a Europa League club all those years ago, unfortunately, a lot of our games were in Sunday in the UK, which meant Monday mornings in Australia, which meant Monday match reviews. But here we are on a rare Saturday night kickoff in Australia, and that means a Sunday night review for the podcast. And um, an interesting one, because Chelsea won one. You think, okay, that's a very positive result. Then you look at, well, the performance, did it deserve more? You look at the state of, in terms of trying to build confidence off the back of the victory against Tottenham. You look at, okay, was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? The, the late goal, the dramatic sort of euphoria around the Casemiro equaliser. It almost felt like a win, but then you think about the result. It actually, um, it was a little bit disappointing that it was only a draw. So a lot to unpack, but um, talk me through your weekend, your Sunday, and um, your thoughts around Man United. Uh, on Man United, Tom, as you know, the result can impact your mood, whether it's it's going to be a good weekend or a bad weekend. So if you're having a good weekend, if you are happy with the result, make sure you hit a big like on the video, and that helps us a lot because that means my weekend will improve. So I would really appreciate that, as I'm sure Tom would as well. But on the performance itself, Tom, and I'm sure we'll get into the, the micro levels of the match, uh, all in all, if someone said to me, you get a draw against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, I think you take that before the game. Not not discrediting the fact that we struggled to beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. We said it the last time United managed to get the three points there was in twenty uh, January 2020. So, I mean, it's been a, nearly three years to tell you that it is a difficult place to go, respect, irrespective of how they're tracking or where they sit in terms of the ladder. Um, so, I mean, all in all, I think United played really well, and, and that's a really pleasing aspect. Easily could have had the three points. But on the balance of play, credit to Potter as well. He changed his shape during the first half. I think a draw was a fair result, particularly coming from behind. Yeah, definitely. Well, it is interesting in regards to we feel better draw up a scenario where we concede a 96-minute equaliser. I think we're in a different mood. We're having a very different discussion. But when you get that 96-minute equaliser, it's almost that almost felt like a win, which you saw that in the player reaction. So it will be very interesting. But I'll just say good day to some guys in the pub. Rob, good to see you, mate. Hope all is well. My computer is running a little bit slow. Um, if Larry can take over. Yeah, I'll happily take over, mate. Uh, we've also got, and there goes my computer being crazy. We, uh, we've also got Adam. How are we, mate? I, I can speak for myself, Adam. I'm sober, so I'm fairly well. Tom's coming off a buck, so if he seems a little bit slow, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, have a little bit of patience with my old good friend Tom here. Well, everything uh, has revamped on my computer, so I'm back alive. Mike, I'll take over. Larry, thank you for that little um, yeah, input. But Mike, um, good to see you, mate. Hope all is well. But speaking about um, late nights and early mornings, Josh recognising the shirt, um, the Irish shirt, Sean O'Malley, um, a UFC fighter, had a great, um, his best performance. And still a guy we're still trying to get on the podcast. Um, I remember Mohamed Makayev, he had a huge victory as well on one of the first fights of the night. Um, over in Abu Dhabi, fingers crossed we can get him on the podcast before the World Cup. Um, he has given me assurances, so... Um, uh, be a little bit patient with that. But, Larry, Manchester United against Chelsea, hour before kickoff team news comes through. Actually, before that, before Manchester United, just, again, if you haven't liked the video, this is a sure reason to like the video. Nottingham Forest one, Liverpool nil. That started my Saturday night off quite quite nicely. Absolutely. Man, Liverpool, um, honestly, I might look at doing a video on Liverpool. Uh, I, f- I found the way they're sitting quite interesting. I thought, I've got to be honest, I actually started to think they were back. They got two really. They got a big result against Manchester City, giving them their first loss. That obviously, I mean, I didn't think too much of the Rangers result. Uh, they obviously got a result against West Ham midweek, but again, back to the wobbles. I don't. They're in free fall. 
Well, you have to be honest with Klopp. Like, how many players did Nottingham Forest sign? A squad worth? <laughs> yeah, so the, the teams like Liverpool can't do that, so you do have to feel for Jürgen Klopp. You say Klopp. that, but they spent 100 million. That's a meme I stole off Sports Bible, for God's sake. Like, it's a joke. Like, how could Liverpool compete with clubs like Forest who signed so many uh, players? I thought it was a good joke. Let me know if you think it was a good joke right in the comments. <laughs> Tom George, good day, lads. I think it was a fair result in the end. I feel we've moved up a couple of gears, which is promising that we've seen some progress under Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, look, a draw, you think, oh, it's not quite what we wanted. But in terms of the performance, a dominant display, not often you go away to a big club, not often you go away to Stanford Bridge and be the dominant team. So far, even if we get good results there, it's off the back of the counter-attack. But, Larry, start in 11. Talk to me in regards to that. Um, our start in 11, unfortunately, is now going to change with the um, injury news around Rafael Varane. But an hour before kickoff, team... the extent of the Frenchman's injury, Tom? Has I think that it hasn't, but it looks at a lot of the people are talking about the reaction of the players and sort of Rafael Varane potentially in tears, knowing that, well, if he's injured now, what does that mean for the World Cup? So if he's thinking yeah. about the World Cup in a couple of weeks' time, well, he's not going to be playing for Manchester United until next year. So, look, who knows? Fingers crossed we get a little bit of clarity, but um, fingers crossed the Frenchman is okay because we're going to need him. But um, talk me through the starting 11 in regards to Christian Eriksen comes back in. Um, yeah, thoughts? Uh, right decision. I thought Fred played well midweek uh, in saying that. Ericsson is absolutely an upgrade. I think there's a time and place for Fred and or McTominay. Uh, and I just think Chelsea, it, it just showed the intentions of Ten Hag, though. He went to play football. He didn't go to counter. He didn't look to out-enthuse. Um, well, sorry, I will recorrect that statement. He he didn't think that Chelsea could out-enthuse Manchester United. He went to play football. He, he chose his most technical players, his best players. And you could argue with the exception of Anthony Martial being fit, this is United's strongest 11. Um, not too many complaints, to be honest. Uh, but i got to say the bench did look pretty weak. And looking at how the game played out, you do have to say, where was the points going to come from or the point of difference, I should say, should uh, Rashford or Anthony or Sancho not fire? And I have to say, on reflection of the 90 minutes, I thought the front three really struggled. The good display in regards to going to Chelsea and dominating the game and not playing on the counter-attack, like looking the superior team, is that off the back of us being a better team and Casemiro and Eriksen, Bruno Fernandes in terms of that midfield, winning that midfield battle football-wise, or is it off the back of maybe Eric Ten Hag's instruction and approach, which maybe tactically got the better of Graham Potter and Chelsea? Like, What was the more deciding factor? Are we better than Chelsea? Or did Eric Ten Hag get something right that maybe our untrained eyes saw in the Chelsea team? I'm going to say it's um, mainly systemic. It's obviously a blend of both because the, the personnel that you have at your disposal will impact how effectively you can put those tactics into practice. But you have to say it's the first time United have looked to... How do I explain this? We're playing football in a tactical way. It's no longer... okay. And even... I made this point the other day. Under Sir Alex Ferguson, a lot of Sir Alex Ferguson's genius was actually man management where he knew he had the caliber of player, 4-4-2, more or less. And then it was a case of, if I can get that extra 2% out of every player, i got the better players, we'll win the game. In this case, you're actually got where Ten Hag set up and we were out manning Chelsea in their midfield, which forced Graham Potter to actually bring on someone, bring on Kovacic early on in the first half. So if, say, tactically, United, because of their, the triangles, the way that Shaw and Deloa inverted means... They're probably being able to drop back on a counter fairly quick as well. You have to say, tactically, United has set up a lot stronger uh, because a lot of these players have been the same players we've seen for many years. 
Uh, in saying that, because we're now seeing the players see the, the results of the tactical discipline and the setup of Ten Hag, I think you're now seeing high confidence, which means you're going to see higher performance from the United players as well. Just on that, just one point you bring up, I just want to come back to you, but Ryan makes a point here. Um, good to see you, mate. Um, huge transformation from last year and how we progressed the ball from back to threatening forward positions. For most parts, Chelsea couldn't come on to us, similar to the Spurs game defending-wise. So in relation to that point and a point you just made there, Larry, in regards to you talked about all these things in terms of what sort of culminated in a good performance, both the players, um, Eric Ten Hag, in terms of the system, what maybe how Chelsea's approach all contributed into Midnight having a dominant display and how we approached the game away at Chelsea compared to previous seasons. All these things are correct and all those different facets. One thing. Casemiro, he's different. He, like, we obviously we knew he was good. He's playing for Real Madrid in Brazil. Obviously, a very good player, and obviously maybe a little bit undershadowed in regards to that Real Madrid midfield and having two quality players ahead of him. But we do know the defensive side of the game that he does bring and how that's beneficial to any team, but especially the defensive problems we've had in midfield over the years. But on the ball, like, I think it's one of those players. I remember Robin Van Persie when Van Persie came to United. I knew he was a good striker. I knew he was a very good striker. When I saw him play, I thought, oh, yeah, he's very good. And then Casemiro, I knew he was a good player. He could get on the ball and he's a little bit more composed than Freddie McTominay. But now I see him on the ball now. And look, look he's not Perlo, he's not Xavi sort of thing, but he's he's a huge upgrade. And that huge upgrade is proven all the difference, in my opinion, in the way we attack. So, yes, what it, maybe the front three weren't at it today. But in regards to the attack in football and the front three and their quality they possess, or Bruno and Eriksen quality in the final third, it stems off the back of what Casemiro is doing, in my opinion. Oh, he, he's genuinely world-class. If you look at United's 11, let me ask you this. How many players would you put in that world-class bracket? I'd put Rafael Varane being back to his best this season in that world-class bracket, and I'd put Casemiro. Outside of that, when Bruno's on song, I could make an argument, but I'm not ready to say that based on this season so far. There's no other player who is performing to where I could say they are world-class. Casemiro has evolved the way United play off the ball, on the ball. He's brilliant. He got us the leading goal today. Not, but most crucially of all, Tom, this side lacked leaders last season. You could put the armband on Casemiro tomorrow and no one would have any questions. I had a feeling with that. And I'm sure everyone's watching the celebrations and all the photos of Casemiro celebrating Lissandro Martinez with the fan. I'm sure we've all seen those. However... Just a hunch. I don't know why, if, if it was because Rafael Varane was off the pitch and I wasn't really thinking about him, the situation with Ronaldo, Harry Maguire's not even involved. When Casemiro was celebrating, I was thinking, yeah, I could see a captain there. And that's not to say he should be Man United captain sort of thing, or I'm demanding he have the armband. But you do, do talk about those leaders in terms of even, look, Lissandro Martinez is not a captain in my peer at the moment for Manchester. No, that's not to say he can't develop into one or, or couldn't be one now. But in terms of, okay, he's a leader. Bruno Fernandes, whatever we think. I don't think Bruno Fernandes is the ideal captain for Manchester United, but there is leadership qualities there. Casemiro is a leader in terms of the way he plays them. Christian Eriksen, in terms of his composure, that, that people lead by example in certain ways. And I don't want to say overnight we've been a team full of leaders because a couple of weeks ago we were losing 4-0 to Brentford and throwing all the professional, all the sort of labels at these players in regards to how unprofessional they are. So I don't know what has changed. But suddenly it does look like this team has a bit of a backbone, which we've sort of so often questioned that they didn't have. Yeah, he's, I, I can't. I, if I it's kind of, that, that, that has to come down to Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag has got something across. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you got to say, and now in hindsight, every signing that Ten Hag has made, brilliant. What, a, what an awesome transfer window we had. I mean, last season we saw Varane, Sancho, Ronaldo, and on paper – 
it promised so much and delivered so little. But you look at it this season, every signing he's made has just been brilliant. And, uh, I mean, Malassia hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think longer term he, he'll prove himself to be United's left back. But you got to say for every other signing, Martinez, Tom, I'm in love with this guy. He's oh, see the passion with with the fan, and that that fans found the found the tweet on Twitter, and yeah. th- that's a moment that lives forever. But the passion these guys have, Martinez and Casemiro, you know what? Talking on players who could who you could put in that world class bracket, if Martinez keeps up the way he's going, I think in 12 months' time, there's every yeah. possibility we're talking about him as a world class centre back. No, definitely. He'll, there's no better place to prove yourself than the Premier League. And if he does continue to prove himself, um, that definitely will be a discussion. But Ryan here agreeing the passion from Casemiro and Carl the goal was incredible. Absolute scenes in that away end. Um, Chris, good to see you, Matt. Hope all is well. Liverpool, as much as we hate them, have a lot of injuries. Sounds like um, a bit of a Jurgen Klopp thing, but yeah, you know what I mean, Chris. But um, before we get into the end of the last, sort of last five minutes of the match, Larry, in regards to that's where all the drama happened, both at both ends of the pitch, is there anything else in regards to maybe one or two performances or a talking point from the match you do want to discuss before we get to the the crux of the match? Well, let, let's look at the, the stats a little bit, Tom. United had more ball than Chelsea, 53% to Chelsea's 47. Uh, and on top of that, uh, we had twice as many shots that Chelsea had, 13 compared to six. So United are doing the business. Uh, I think you, you're going to reflect back on this game and perhaps even the season and what we will reflect on is... United really need a number nine. Um, I, I think highly of Martial, but he can't stay fit. And uh, I, I don't know how many times we're going to go down, down that song and dance. And Ronaldo, for whatever reason, just isn't the same player this season. So I think if United had a an informed number nine today, I think we win that game comfortably. I think if you can get that player in, who's, I think we can challenge next season. I, I really do. I, I don't think we're that far off anymore. I think if you can just get in, perhaps another center, uh, sorry, another central midfielder. If Ericsson becomes your backup, I think United are in a very strong place. So if you can get that box-to-box midfielder, you get a number nine. I think United can really go places next season. But why why wait that long? I think in January, if there's an opportunity to move Ronaldo one, which I think is best for both parties, you got to get a number nine in. Adam here with a shout in regards to Ivan Tony and Vlahovic. Um, would be crazy for us. I'm not sure the situation in regards to Vlahovic. And he just got Juventus. I'm sure that would, well, I'm not sure their situation, but you'd assume Probably that would be a, so, yeah. a bit of a tricky deal to do. But um, look, that's a discussion for January, well, before January, but it'll be interesting what role the World Cup does play in that. And um, okay, the talking points of the match, though, we'll start with what happened first the Jorginho penalty. Scott McTominay comes on. Now, this is an interesting one. Look, stupid from Scott McTominay. It's a penalty. However, you know what I'm going to say. What? What's that? Give it a penalty, fine. Give 15 penalties a game. Give 15 penalties a game. It happens on every corner. As Piliqueta did 10 times worse on multiple occasions today. Look, I take what you're saying. It's, it's a penalty, but you have to, if you box, give that, you have to give them all. In the box, though, I think McTominay gave too much. That does happen every, it happens at every corner. You're right. Every set piece. But the problem that where McTominay is, after the first exchange, he goes back for more. That's the issue. You can't go back for more. If, if the cross goes over, over, if the cross goes over, nowhere near Scott McTominay. Same action, same foul. By, again, this is not me defending. It's a penalty. But if the ball goes way over Scott McTominay and the same action, he tackles the guy to the ground, but he's not involved in getting the clear and header. Is it a penalty? No. The referee's not looking there. Same action. But it's just a, 
Again, not defending it. It was a stupid mistake by Scott McTominay. Ultimately, will potentially prove extremely cost, costly. Reminded me of Smalling, Tom. Smalling loved it. Smalling was the worst. Oh, Smalling got away with it. So, again, Smalling no, did VAR 10 years of it. Smalling was at United. Well, this didn't even go to VAR. And look, if it, if it went to, um, it would have probably been given awarded a penalty. So, again, no no complaints from Man United's end. But it's just a bit of a... You saw when the Casemiro goal in, the referee was gutted. You almost saw his heart sank when he's when his watch buzzed. And like, it was, like, he couldn't wait to give that penalty against Scott McTominay. I don't know if he said something to him when he went on, but um, Scott McTominay has to um, take him take responsibility for that one. He can only have himself to blame. He put himself in that position. Good players make um, mistakes time that happens. The other end of the pitch, Casemiro. Talk about saving Manchester United in terms of giving us a defensive midfielder we haven't had for a while. Well, he saved us in the isolated 90 minutes and saved the day. And um, just, obviously, only, only an inch or two in it in regards to how it crossed the line. He's got into a position a couple of times this season, maybe, okay, a couple of shots outside the box, and you think, okay, he's got that goal-scoring threat potentially. But he's also got on the end of a few crosses, or, or almost got on the end of a few crosses, and he's done this one as well here. And um, look, we, we've touched on his performance and what he brings, but obviously now potentially you look directly impacting a match. He has done, and in a big way, because who knows what situation we're going to be in in May if, we're, if we need one point for a top four or Europa League or, or whatever the situation is, this is a huge result. Not even for Manchester United. You take two points away from Chelsea, that's potentially beneficial to United um, in a few months' time. Yeah, absolutely. Can I give you some of the statistics from Casemiro in this game? And uh, I think this will be a natural transition into 3 2 ones. 68 touches of the ball, 83% pass accuracy, uh, 10 ball recoveries. 10 ball recoveries, Tom. In a game of football, that's insane. You're impressed when a player makes three to four in a match. Just to put in that into relative perspective, phenomenal performance. He won six out of eight ground duels, uh, and he also managed uh, six out of eight long balls that he attempted. Oh my god! And he, and he won four tackles. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no. Look, you know, no, I, I think he's a shoe in for three two Saving goal. Well, he's assuring the 3 2 ones, and we'll go into 3 2 ones. Now, a few people are talking about defenders in the comments in regards to a bit of that transfer discussion. I'm sure that will maybe pop up in the late, um, later bit of the discussion when we're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo in the future, as we always do in every show, for God's sake. But um, leave those questions and comments for a little bit. But in regards to 3 2 ones, do you want to talk any more about Casemiro? Just give the three points and move on. Oh, Casemiro is a shoe in for three points this game. He was brilliant. I mean, forget the stats. Just don't let your eyes, just don't lie to your eyes, Tommy. Brilliant. Three points. In the, in, the, in, the, in the live chat, do get your thoughts in because, okay, everyone's going to very likely go three points for Casemiro, but we will need a bit of help on two points and one point. So um, do get your thoughts in the live chat for us to dissect. But um, Larry, floor is yours in regards to any other names. Now, this is maybe just me sort of overemphasizing a photo and sort of the, the, the lasting reaction in regards to what we saw at the end of the match in regards to Lissandro Martinez and maybe my love for him in that way. Maybe it clouds my judgment of the 90 minutes before. I have to throw him all. It's just weirdly, maybe it's just a, it's an automatic pick throwing him in these points because I do love the guy. Yeah, uh, Martinez is a shout. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you look at the goal we conceded, once again, no fault of our defenders. So I think there is no issue here. The way we were, we, the way we plot at players for scoring goals, you got to plot at players when they're keeping in, well, not keeping a clean sheet, but when they're not at fault. Uh, last season, uh, we were paper towel when it came to defence. This season, much better. Uh, so I think it, you're right to give a point, uh, well, two points to Martinez. Uh, I'd be agreeing with that shot. In terms of one point, I think you could go... Uh, I'd be going one... 
I think Larry's just gone a little bit robotic. If you can hear me, Larry, just kick yourself out of the studio or it might be on my end, but um, I believe it is on Larry's end and um, just come back into the studio in a sec. But um, a few people have sort of put in Luke Shaw um, as one point, Diogo Delar. I think the fullbacks is an interesting point in regards to that. A lot of people have done Casemiro. I'll just bring Adams up here. I like Casemiro. I think he's good. Um, and had his best game last night in a United jersey, but I feel some people are overpraising him for a bit. Now, I think there is obviously a genuine, a, a bit of a potential case of that. Um, I'll just put in here, I'll just kick Larry out. Oh, he's finding a new stream. I'll remove him from there. Hopefully he comes back in a new one. On Casemiro, that point you make there, Adam, in regards to overhyping, I think that is a potential scenario where we will do that. Obviously, when emotion is so high and he scores that last-minute equaliser, we all fall in love. And we do have to be a bit careful because if we go and draw the next game, we'll lose the next game. We're going to say, oh, why did he come to Manchester United? He's only here for the money. Why did he leave Real Madrid? So we do need to be careful. However, I think in regards to my praise, in regards to Casemiro, why I think I'm so pleased with him is the difference. We look going to away to big teams. Now I know, okay, Manchester City was different and he didn't start that much. But away to Chelsea, when have we ever gone then really dominated? Even under Solskjaer, when we had good results away at Stamford Bridge, it was we knew how we are going to set up, try and get them on the counter, Rashford in behind, Martial in behind, situations like that. But suddenly you drop Casemiro in that midfield and we look the superior team for so often. For the last decade, it feels like whatever big game, whether home or away, it feels like we go into it thinking we're the underdog. Maybe not even the underdog, but the other team's going to be the better team. Let's see what weapons we have to hurt them with. But you suddenly drop Casemiro in there and we look like the better team. And I think that is a, a testament to how good and sort of how pivotal he can be. But um, I'll just go through some one or two um, more three, two, one votes in the live chat because I think Larry's trying to get back in. Fingers crossed he can join me. Um, Emad, good to see you. No better time to watch the pod. Hopefully you are enjoying me. Um, Ashby here, Larry on fire. I think there's the shout of fullback here and maybe it was, generates a bit of a wider discussion around the fullbacks. Um, Casemiro for three, Delo for two, Lissandro Martinez for one, a few, um, George here, Casemiro for three. He's gone Luke Shaw for a point as well. Ryan, Luke Shaw um, for a point as well. And um, Ashby, I don't think I brought this one up. Christian Eriksen. I think Christian Eriksen was a... I think we just enjoyed his good football. Maybe that was pivotal in regards to us dominating the game. But um, it was one of those... Maybe maybe faded a little bit. So it was interesting around Christian Eriksen. I see Larry flashing. I'll give him a few more minutes. But um, just one more post or one more comment from Emad here. A player like Casemiro, who has done what he's done in the game, can't be overhyped. We all know what he can do. Unlike a player like Anthony, for example, virtually. And that's a good point. I wouldn't disagree to both Emad or Adam's point there in regards to that. But it is interesting because, yeah, he is at a different scale. And, yeah, I'd probably lean more. So not that I disagree with Adam, but I'd probably lean a little bit more to um, Emad. But in regards to not overestimating what uh, Casemiro is bringing, but maybe just the reaction. Because the reaction is up here at the moment. Suddenly, if we get a bad result, we're going to be start abusing him and telling him to f off back to Brazil. I think, in regards to the way fans react, that is a potential scenario we don't want to happen. So, um, Larry is no much, um, not longer with me. So I'll just um, kick on. If there is anything in the live chat, um, sort of do get involved in the discussion, help me along for these last couple of minutes. He might be back here. I'll give him one more chance. But we'll go three points. Obviously, Casemiro Martinez for two. And I just think, well, he's giving one more chance here, Larry. Talk me. Diego Delo, Luke Shaw, give me a point. Or, or is it someone else I think would be between one of those? I'll go Shaw. The reason I bring those up for points in regards to maybe, and again, disagree with me, maybe there is someone who's more deserving over the 90 minutes. However, it, it's a collective thing in regards to Luke Shaw having that poor start to the season and sort of being left out and coming back and performing quite well. Diego Delo taking his chance and now in that spot down. Why I'm so happy with those two at the moment is the collective thing in regards to, yes, there was a good 90 minutes, but in terms of what they're doing, like Diego Delo 
Luke Shaw can rest. He can Malassi can come in for a week. Um, Christian Eriksen can go out. Fred can come in. Anthony Ma- or Marcus Rashford can go out. Jaden Sancho can come in. Anthony can go out. Anthony Langer can come in. Diego Delo has to play. He plays every single week, and, and that's oh, obviously it's not May yet. Okay, it's very early in the season, but still demanding on the body. So I think Diego Delo physically and mentally is performing quite well. So they're just my thoughts in regards to summing up my feelings towards the remaining point. Yeah, that's fair. And his delivery has really improved the last couple of games. I'd be willing to give it to Deleuze. I give him a hard time too. So uh, why not give it to the Portuguese? Well, we might as well give it to the Portuguese because um, the other one or the other two aren't getting points, especially the one who wasn't involved. And um, just one or two more chats before we get into the Cristiano Ronaldo discussion because it's definitely, it's boring, Larry, I know, but it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. It, it, it's so engaging in regards to always changing. Gary Neville, and Roy Keane pretty much came to blows in the studio, Sky, Sky Sports studio, in regards to their feelings. I thought that was an interesting one, but just one or two more um, points. Actually, a point here you, you always sort of bring up, Larry. Um, Ryan brings up here what's happening with Jaden Sancho. Um, what's happening with Jaden Sancho? Back to show every time he had the ball, confidence issues. I think it is a confidence thing. And Larry, you've obviously raised concerns over Jaden Sancho in the past. Yeah. Oh. So, Larry, I know you personally. Okay, maybe one or two questions in regards to this form. I think it's just that. But I think the way fans are reacting at the moment is, you need if you're out of form, well, there's huge questions. Okay, you got to be sold. Okay, you're not good enough. And when you are in form, you're world class and you're brilliant. If we if we lose a game, we're going to tell all these players who were praising today they don't have the mentality to play for Manchester United. They shouldn't put on the shirt again. They're not good enough. That's how far away we are from a title. We put a good display in at Stamford Bridge. Next season, we will potentially put up a title challenge. I'm just thinking we're so reactionary as fans. I think, in my opinion, with the Jaden Sancho thing, I think he had a very good start to the season. Um, remember the goal against Liverpool sort of thing? I thought he was very pivotal in the way Eric Ten Hag was playing. Suddenly, he's a little bit out of form and said, well, no, nah, you could only do it in Germany, can't do it in England. I think it's just, in my opinion, a case of a little bit of um, poor form. I don't know. I think the jury is out on him a little bit. And the reason I say that is I'm not, I'm not going to write him off because I think he's, he's 23 years of age and... You don't do what he did in Germany. You don't put up the numbers he did if you don't have something about you. But what I will say, Tom, is every player who I've seen, like young player who's come into a United team, particularly in attacking positions, shows you something. If I think of Rashford in terms of his first season, Martial in his first season, they showed how good that they could be. Everything I've seen out of Jadon Sancho has been glimpses, promises of being brilliant without ever putting it together for 90 minutes shows ability to get compare him compare him to a Rashford though and maybe criticisms we have over Marcus Rashford and like maybe a Fred and Christian Eriksen or Bruno and Christian Eriksen sorry in terms of Marcus Rashford and Sancho okay yeah Sancho might have those glimpses but it's a little bit more consistent okay it's not flashy it's not on the eye but the manager's picking him and the manager might be picking him for the same reason he's picking Christian Eriksen, so it's not flashy on the eye. Well, what just, choices uh, are there to Sancho? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, there is definitely a part of that, I agree. That's the thing. I'm not going to write him off, but he's got a massive level to go up to. I, regardless of what happens this season, I can't see him being sold, but I could see, you know, for, for depending on what he does for the rest of this season, I think there's a valid argument to say, Maybe next season his United career might be at a crossroads. He he'll, he needs to show something between now and the end of the season because he's he's just kind of there at the moment, not really doing anything wrong. But the problem, the reason he stands out so much right now is because every other player is giving you that that 
eight out of ten. Sancho yeah. seems to be around the six out of ten. No, that, that, that's what I mean. If, if everyone else is performing bad, would we talk about Jaden Sancho's performances? Uh, I don't think that's the case. And that's not to say we shouldn't be talking about them. I just think if it's like this um, after the World Cup, okay, we can have a serious discussion. But um, at the moment, in my opinion, might not be my opinion. It's a little bit of bad form, a little bit of confidence. Put one in the top corner, um, that confidence is going to change. But it's about time, Larry, for our, our weekly, not even weekly, our daily Cristiano Ronaldo chat. And um, we really shouldn't be talking about it. Nothing to do with this result. Well, potentially, if you, if you want to look at our bench, um, potentially had a big impact on the result. Um, very likely, um, that's a very valid argument. But um, the latest on Ronaldo, I think what sort of stems a lot of this one is the debate Roy Keane and Gary Neville had. And Ronaldo bring up oh, Ronaldo, which is in the chat. Could ask him a few questions. But Emad says Ronaldo has nudes of Keane 100%. Obviously, Roy Keane went um, backed into the hill in regards to that Gary Neville debate. Now, what I would say, because if I was to have a discussion with Emad now, we've had this many a time in regards to players taking responsibility. Ronaldo was the only person who impacts other players. If any other player, we have to say, no, that player has to take responsibility. But everyone else has to, Ronaldo's not getting the ball. Sorry, because of Ronaldo, everyone else isn't as good. Where Roy Keane always makes... Again, this is not me defending. I think Eric Ten Hag was right to suspend him. It's not defensive Ronaldo. However, Ronaldo makes everyone worse. Well, no, Roy Keane was right in saying, no, they had to be better. Don't blame Ronaldo for them not being good. And I think that that is where a lot of Roy Keane's... You know, you can't disagree with that, Larry. You can't say someone's first touch isn't good enough because Cristiano Ronaldo is standing there. That no, person's I, first I, touch... Of course not. Of course not. But... Look, no, at that, the end that's, of the day, of course, that's this the case. Season, this season, Ronaldo has not been good enough. In the games he's played, yeah, but, but, but don't blame other players. If another player performs badly, do not blame Ronaldo. That is oh, stupid. Of course not. But that's what that's what we do with the fan base. That's what the media so far this season. But, but that's what the fan base and the media do. And that's what Roy Keane is getting upset for. And this is again not me defending Ronaldo. I think he's right. He's suspended. The Gary Ten Hag has dealt with the situation perfectly. I'm Team Ten Hag in regards to this. But in regards I think to Roy you're Keane's defence, argument, mate. To be honest, I mean, it's I've not never been having for two years. Well, the players don't play worse. Like someone's first touch being bad is someone. Fred's going to have a bad first touch, whether it's Ronaldo or me up front. But the reality is, the team doesn't perform as well when Ronaldo's on the pitch, and that yeah, but... does go back to last season as well. He doesn't allow for fluidity, and that's the thing. When you look at Ronaldo, I think Roy Keane's obviously backing his mate here. But ultimately, oh, when you have Ronaldo firing in the side, Tom, he'll offer you goals, but goals to the detriment of the team. I think United have more goals in the team when Ronaldo doesn't play. Right? Well, it's about that, but again, and this is not me bashing Marcus Rashford, how many chances? I think Rashford's gone, now got nine big chances. Um, without scoring, like she's and like that's not career, though. He'll, he'll never be clinical. He just yeah, okay. So, Rashford him. provides the better football, and this again, it sounds like I'm saying throw Ronaldo well, in the Ronaldo team. It's not a case of in those positions, and I think that's all fundamentally the, the problem. The, the way United are playing at the moment is through the Lions, and when you're playing through the Lions, Ronaldo's simply not going to get into the positions that Rashford's getting in. Sure, he should be more clinical. I don't think Ronaldo gets there at all to even have the opportunity to be clinical. I can see the thinking, and I wouldn't disagree sort of completely. However, Ronaldo gets chances. Now, those chances might not come a certain way, but he, he gets on the end of chances. And I'm just thinking, I think we're a little bit reactionary there in regards to a lot of the Rashford well, chances might be different me. chances. Look at the Newcastle game. Look at Tottenham and Chelsea. Larry, Larry, I'm not saying we're a better team with Christian in regards to the way we play football and we can't create more chances. I'm saying... Bruno Fernandes isn't as good because Ronaldo's playing. No, you have to blame Bruno Fernandes for, for his performances. Ronaldo Wait, is no, the only player. I disagree with that. Bruno Ronaldo takes no, away from Bruno's game because he gets. Don't blame Ronaldo. 
blame Eriten Hag for putting him in the team. Don't blame Ronaldo for other people's performances. Blame the system. Blame Eriten Hag. Blame the Glazers for bringing him in. Don't blame the person, the individual, for other players and their effectiveness. Well, I would criticise Ronaldo in that situation because he should know as a striker not to occupy the number 10 space. That's not tactics. That's the player lacking discipline. And that's why he fundamentally finds himself about Bruno Fernandes. He doesn't know how to follow instruction. He doesn't fit into 10 hugs. Why, why have we never said then Bruno Fernandes lacks discipline and that's affecting the midfield because he's at number 10 playing at number of 9? he lacks discipline. We've said that countless times. But, but, we, we, don't blame Scott, but we don't blame Scott McTominay having a bad performance because Bruno's disciplined. But fundamentally, but we have criticised Bruno for that. But this season, you have to say that Bruno's improved that aspect of his game. Well, no, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's not a criticism of Bruno Fernandez. But do you know what I mean? Can you see my? Yeah, maybe exactly. I'm talking nonsense. Absolutely. But the problem is Ronaldo won't change. Yeah. That's fundamentally the issue here. Bruno, I've seen a change in his game. Fred, I've seen a change. McTominay's improved out of sight. Delo, another player who's really come on this season. All these players have shown improvement in their game so far. Marcus Rashford this season, the guy I saw last season, he wouldn't get into my Sunday league team. You what if we had a performance, a very good performance the other week against Everton? No one was complaining about Ronaldo's influence. There. And again, did this he is not me. performance or did he just have one moment where he scored a goal? But his performance wasn't good. He scored the it, goal it, and he took it well, but his performance... If, 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 Rashford scored, if Rashford, after his performance today, scored one goal, it's the same thing, but we would be praising that. And again, I hate doing this in, in regards to... Maybe sounds like a defense of Ronaldo and me taking Eric, um, Ronaldo's side over Eric Ten Hag. That's far from the case. I want to get it in Eric Ten Hag and how I think he's dealt with this perfectly. But I just think maybe it's my side. I maybe prefer Roy Keane over Gary Neville to a little bit. And Roy Keane's copped so much abuse. And I can see why he's copping a lot of stick for this argument he had with Gary Neville. But I can see he's where he's like coming from. Sorry, he, he did. He, he acted like a spoiled child. He, he's, he had no balance to no, his no, argument no. at all. No, we're not talking about... Oh, I thought you were talking about Ronaldo. There. No, Roy no, Keane... Roy, Roy, Keane, Roy Keane's argument today, it was just like... A, he just wanted to argue for the sake of arguing. Everything Neville said was spot on. And Neville didn't criticise Ronaldo, mind you. He just said, this season he's not performing. He, he refused to go on as a sub. You don't refuse to play for Manchester United and then leave the stadium. That's fundamentally the issue. It's his conduct. No one's talking about Ronaldo's performance. Good play. I don't care if Ronaldo had 12 goals. The so whole far thing is season. about, okay, the, the whole thing. Obviously, there's, there are two sides. There's the behavior and the field. But he, the last five minutes um, discussion we've had has been in regards to the on field performance and how that affects. So that is a huge part of the discussion. However, in regards to the behavior and walking off the field, this is where all my defensive, not defensive Ronaldo, but my backing of Ronaldo there sort of push that to the side. I'm fully on board with what Eric Ten Hag has done in regards to dropping him from training and the match day squad against Chelsea. I'm fully on board with that. I think Eric Ten Hag has dealt with it um, fantastic. However, going it back into the Roy Keane discussion and Roy Keane's point in regards to this, this is not a dig of Eric Ten Hag. Again, this is praising Eric Ten Hag. He has thrown, he has used Cristiano Ronaldo as, as a bargaining chip here and thrown him under, and maybe it's the right decision. I'm not saying it's the wrong decision to do, but in Roy Keane and defending his mate, he has it's a strong word. I don't mean it in a bad way, but he is publicly humiliating Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, Ronaldo's sort of doing his own thing, which is throwing himself under the bus. Of course, Ronaldo is sort of a lot to play. Ronaldo's post the well. other day, by the way, was embarrassing. Yeah, I, I no, think... Ronaldo doesn't help himself. I'm not saying Ronaldo's helping himself. I'm saying, and we can praise Eric Ten Hag's side of things in regards to this, but there is a fact, and again, I might be liking it, Eric Ten Hag is throwing Ronaldo under the bus, and that is, where, that is where Roy Keane is saying, hang on, the manager shouldn't be doing that. I want to ask you two questions, Tom. One, has Ronaldo tarnished his legacy as a United no. legend? No. And secondly, 
does Ten Hag, regardless of bringing a striker in or not, do, do you think it, it's all gotten a bit too difficult? Does Ronaldo need to leave in January? Well, look, look, the Ronaldo, the Ronaldo um, phase has, has gone now. Yeah, he needs to leave as soon as possible in regards to both him and both the club and moving forward. Now, is the Glazers... The Glazers? That's what's going to be interesting to me. Like, his stock has fallen so much. He couldn't find a buyer in the summer. I just wonder, like, what's the next step for Ronaldo? Can he find a Champions League side? It'll be really interesting. The club will take him. If, if Man United will um, sort of cut ties and not demand a transfer fee... Um, I think Man United will have to get rid of him. And any team sort of in the Champions League, could you need a striker um, who's designed to sort of score goals in the latter stage of the Champions League? I think there will be suitors for Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, I, agree with that- here. I think his legacy is it, it's stained a little bit for this. You, you can't you can't refuse to play and leave the stadium. Sorry, I, I just ultimately, of course, he's still a United legend. That that will never change, but. You, you can't you, – he's refused to – you know what? It's not even the leaving the stadium bit for me. He refused to play. Paul Scholes refused really to play. I think it's well, different. But, okay, um, yeah, but potentially different. But if we're black and white in regards to these things, like okay, refused to play is refusing to play. And, again, that's not me defend. I think Gary Ten Hag was completely right in dropping Cristiano Ronaldo. I think the, the – I don't want to say experiment, but the Ronaldo situation has run its course. But, um, no, he hasn't tainted his legacy. Well, in five years' time when sort of he retires and we look back, we won't be thinking about – it's a shame how it's ending. But, no, as I said, um, bigger legends at Manchester United have done far worse on and off the pitch than Cristiano Ronaldo. And um, we'll forget about that. I think a player getting in his car early after full time, I think we'll forget about that in a couple of years' time and to um, remain a Manchester United legend. But that's um, just my opinion. Maybe I'm incorrect in regards to that. But in regards to Eric Ten Hag, as I said, I'm not criticising him for doing this, but there is a fact that he is publicly humiliating Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm just thinking he might need to do that. That is potentially a positive, which will sort of prove beneficial in the long term for both the manager and the squad. But um, getting rid of those sort of drastic words in regards to publicly humiliating him, he is handling the situation very well um, compared to how look at Jose Mourinho on a Paul Pogba situation. That was criminal in terms of the way Jose Mourinho did that and ultimately cost him his job. This is not going to cost Eric Ten Hag his job. Um, because it's obviously extremely, it's what the Glazers need. They they need, which is crazy, is obviously here. Can we get some credit there, Tom, where it's due? Because United in the past would have backed the player. I think credit to Richard Arnold here, he's backed the manager. Because obviously anything being done here is, there's an executive level where there obviously needs needs some level of discussion has to be held. He's back Ten Hag. And and credit to Richard Arnold. Now, obviously, it's an obvious decision to make here. But United have gotten this wrong time and time again in years past. So I will give some credit to the CEO there. They are back in the manager, but I think it's not so much a back in the manager. And on the essence, if you're taking sides, yes, they're back in the manager. I think it's more so. And again, it hurts to think like this, but probably the right decision in terms of sort of moving forward. It's about throwing Ronaldo under the bus. It's about pain and villain. Okay, he's the hero, he's the villain. And Man United, in terms of the situation, unfortunately, we find ourselves in, Ronaldo has to be painted the bad guy. In, and he potentially is in terms of the way he his behaviour. Yeah, no, no, but, but the, the club need that to be painted. That is why these stories are coming out. Did Ronaldo leave the ground early? Well, no, no footage came out. Thousands of people are out, out there waiting um, five minutes for full time. He would have been seen to be leaving early. But it paints a lot. Laurie obviously comes out with the story um, a day later. I didn't get the story when it happened, when obviously news would have broken that he did leave early, got the story the next day. Obviously very close to the club in terms of we'd need these stories in terms of painting Ronaldo as a bad pitcher because obviously 
lessens the impact and lessens the sort of load on Eric Ten Hag's plate because the future, the, the situation is gone with Ronaldo. He's leaving Manchester United and um, the club need it to happen as quick as possible. I think Ronaldo is the bad guy. United have done nothing here. Ronaldo has contributed to his, his own story, ultimately, and, and it's his own demise. And I think he can take this one or two ways. He can accept he's not playing well, work hard, and force his way back into the side for however long he's here, whether that be January or the end of the season. Or he can continue carrying on the way he's carrying on. He will tarnish his legacy if he continues acting in the way he is. And at the very least, if he's not tarnishing his legacy, he's going to sour his relationship with a fan base that has done nothing but adore him for the best part of 15-odd years. Well, the fan base is an interesting one because obviously you look at Wayne Rooney's behaviour to the fans and his comments towards the fans and his actions. And obviously he comes back and a couple of goals did, well, scored more than a couple of goals, obviously Wayne Rooney. But in terms of that is where he won't taint his legacy. Obviously people will forget. And obviously when Wayne Rooney sort of, well, actually a lot of people do maybe hold that against Wayne Rooney. But I think over sort of the majority, I think, sort of eased in regards to their frustrations towards Wayne Rooney. But anything else in regards to Eric Ten Hag? Because as I say, my defensive Ronaldo is not getting him back in the team. However, Martial, obviously, let's just assume Martial's not going to play. You can't rely. If he comes back for a week and scores a hat-trick, he's going to be injured next week. We have to get rid of the Anthony Martial discussion, unfortunately. Look, I do like him. I know you're a big fan of him. Forget it. He's not an option. He can come in for a couple of weeks. He's not going to be a recipe to get in the top four or win a trophy. Okay, so Martial's out. Marcus Rashford's not scoring goals. Who's your striker? That is the situation where you could potentially be throwing Eric Ten, um, throwing Cristiano Ronaldo into the team. Like well, I think not. he'll play this week. Um, Ten Hag yeah. already kind of dropped his name in his pre- pre-match presser for the Europa League, and uh, I expect Ronaldo to start uh, this week against FC Sheriff, um, which is kind of ironic since he's kind of been, you know, he's been the one brought to justice, for lack of a better term, Tom. But uh, look, on, on the Martial argument, if Martial can get himself fit, I think he is clearly our first choice. I, ultimately, I, I agree, and United need to invest in a first choice number nine and let the two, like, if anything, I would like to see two players who are capable of fitting in challenging for that position. Uh, and then it's up to whichever takes their opportunities at the moment which is crazy to think when you think of last season and what the numbers that Ronaldo produced. But uh, if you can get two elite strikers who can push each other, it just means United are obviously going to be being in a better position, a challenge on all fronts. He's back now. The audio was coming through crystal clear, Larry, but you did freeze for a little bit, but you're back. But we heard everything you said. But um, just point, which I don't disagree with, but Chrissy, I don't think Ronaldo's legacy will change. But we should never brought him back. We'll always go and in tears. I think all of us knew that at the time. You go back to the stream when Ronaldo was signed. Obviously, we joined in the excitement and the celebrations of it. A lot of the serious discussion was, look, look, it's not going to work. It is going to be a disaster. It will end in tears, or very likely end in tears, unfortunately. And that is where we go back. Yes, Ronaldo can only have himself to blame in this in terms of the way he's behaved, Larry. But he's been put in a position, not him personally, but in regards to the club has been put in a position where this was always going to happen. So, yes, Ronaldo needs to take responsibility for his behaviour. But in regards to upstairs and how this club is run, this was inevitable. So it should have been prevented at the source and sort of not happened in the first place, which we all agreed with at the time. While we were happy, we said this is going to potentially going to happen. Cost Solskjaer his job, for God's sake. Oh, it's a difficult one. I, I can, 
How far do you draw the line, though? Is it Solskjaer's fault for bringing Ronaldo in or, or supporting the, the signing? Like, is it Ed Woodward's fault? I mean, who knows? Well, no, no, no one's decision, but just the, the, the action of bringing Cristiano Ronaldo in was going to change what, If you look at the way United finished uh, 2021 season, was there even a need to bring in Ronaldo? I mean, well, no, that was, a, was doing bits. That was our discussion. That was, our discussion was... The front three of what Eric Ten Hag did so well in the um, preseason that was Solskjaer's potential front three of Sancho, Martial, and Rashford, and obviously the, the dynamic of that did change when Cristiano uh, Ronaldo came in. So again, look, this Ronaldo yeah, situation will be flying at the time. Greenwood was obviously there at the time. Like the, the situation has evolved far beyond uh, what what we started with. So I mean, I don't think you could have foreseen that it would end so badly. The, the, the other key factor here is. Ten Hag's come in as the manager, who's obviously got a much different philosophy and has no emotional connection to Ronaldo. It's not his former teammate. He's not a former United legend who's currently the manager. All Ten Hag cares about is building his own legacy and getting results. So he has no reason to cater to Ronaldo. So I think fundamentally that that, that is why Ronaldo's obviously falling apart. On top of he had no preseason. He's lacking match fitness. He's 37 years of age. Didn't do, didn't do himself any favours. No, definitely. Um, I was having a discussion with a mate. And again, the last point in regards to comparing to other things, but obviously walking off the ground and or leaving the ground early, everyone's saying, okay, that sackable offense shouldn't play for Manchester United again. And the one that was used early this season was um, Ronaldo not going on preseason or boycotting preseason. Um, he should have been sold on the spot then. I'll go back to the Wayne Rooney, literally boycotted preseason in Australia. And um, tried to force that move through to Chelsea. Obviously, forgotten about. So I think all these isolated. Now you don't want an accumulation of these isolated in- incidents, but everything that's sort of happening sort of unfortunately, maybe not walking off the pitch, but um, which obviously maybe is a straw too far, but has de- um, been done before. But um, anything else, Man United, or hopefully not Ronaldo related, but anything else particularly fancy before we start to wrap up? You know what I just realised. You mentioned Rooney forcing his way, for- trying to force his move to Chelsea in. July of this year, sorry, in July next year, it will mark 10 years since David Moyes was United manager. How time flies, Tom. Sorry, I was just reading a comment. Um, Repeat that, Larry. I'll listen now. In July next year, it will mark 10 years since David Moyes was manager at Manchester United. What a decade it has been. What a decade it has been. (laughs) And I think a decade, unfortunately, Manchester United fans deserved in regards to we're so spoilt in our childhood growing up. We did need this. And hopefully when we do get success under Eric Ten Hag in a couple of years' time, it's um, that, that sort of bit sweeter because we, we are sort of feeling the what it feels like to be a real football fan at the moment. And um, while it's not enjoyable at times, it is needed, I think, because it is sort of weeding out one or two sort of sections of the fan base. And sort of when we do win, because we will get back at some stage. Now, hopefully that's sooner than later. But um, I think it will, we, we as a club and fan base will be better off for this period we are going through. But um, Chris just reminded me, and, and the last point, and I don't want to get this into sort of excusing Ronaldo of anything, but a huge thing, um, and he's obviously had the um, potential meetings with Jordan Peterson as well. I've had this discussion with you, Larry, and you didn't really... De- I had a bit of an argument, not an argument with you, but you sort of not downplayed it, but I felt you downplayed it. But um, I know you didn't mean it in a derogatory way or a bad way. Ronaldo lost a kid. No, just in terms of this mental state, I, I, I can't tell a man how to react. Like, I know it seems like it's a while away. It's not a while away. It's, it was still very recently. And I, I, I can't be in a position to tell a man how to... And again, it doesn't excuse the behaviour. But in regards to his mindset, in regards to performances and pre-seasons, it's everything. 
it's um a tricky situation in regards to what he's going through. He's had sort of like all in his favor for so long, and now um sort of everything's sort of going against him, unfortunately, for um, whatever reason. And um, it's piling on the pressure, unfortunately. I, I empathize, uh, obviously, with Ronaldo's situation. It's tragic that, you know, he obviously lost a child, but I, I don't think that's why he's performing badly, Tom. And and his behavior at the moment, none of that has to do with, none of that has to do with his child. Like, sorry. And you have to remember when that happens. No, but just, he, just the mental state of him, like, in terms of, I can't be in a position. He up his level of performance after that. In fact, he came on, he came to, he went to the Emirates and was United's only good player against Arsenal and got Yeah, but I, I don't think we can be in a position where we can say, okay, you're better now or you're not better now. I think it's that situation where... I'm not saying that. It, maybe those it's guys are still thing. there. I just don't think that's why he's performing the way he's performing. Oh, yeah, I, it's I not an excuse. It's just, it's just, in my opinion, just something to like, lay off him. Like he's gone through it. He's gone through hell at the moment. In my, what potentially is hell in well, my no opinion. Well, no one was talking shit about him until he decided to pack up and leave the stadium the other day. Have you got it? Have you got the internet at home? He's the most abused footballer in the world, statistically proven. Because he's the most, but he's also the most praised footballer in the world. Have you seen the people on my Twitter account abusing me for fucking having a go at him about his stupid Instagram post the other day? Yeah, look, I understand that. I, I just think in regards to in regards he's also to the point, the richest footballer in the world, like. You know, can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, I think we, we do look a lot of document, or like whether it be documentaries, or you do see a bit of an insight into people with money in their lives. It's, okay, looks glitz and a bit of glitz and glamour from our end, but deep down, when you look in their lives, it is tough for them. And again, that's not to defend, say you shouldn't be walking off. As I said, I'm on Team Ten Hag in regards to that. Feels no, so in regards for all these players. I'm not telling a player. I'm, I'm not Larry. I'm not telling a father who just lost his son to get on with it. And, so it's a bit I'm, not, okay. I'm not downplaying that, Tom. And if that's the issue, then he can take a break from football. He can get. He can see a psychologist. It is, and I support him in that. That is not why he's not playing well. That is not the reason why. Well, not not playing. I'm just. I'm just. Forget tactics. Forget offside traps. Forget counter pressing and all that. I'm just saying, as a person, he's gone through a tough time, and I just think it's never pointed out that he's a person at the moment. He were treating him like an animal. Because he acted, he acted like an idiot. Oh, he didn't, yeah, he didn't act like an animal. I'm not saying he's a scumbag and deserves to never breathe air again. I'm saying he should leave the club. Yeah, no, 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 no one's disagreeing with that. But I think the reaction to him has been over the top. Will always take it too far. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. No. But, yeah. No. Fair enough. Anything else with Manchester United before we do wrap up? Um, hopefully, we can stay clear of any Ronaldo discussion over the next couple of pods. Uh, well, we've got a, a very. I think United have come through the the current fixtures fairly positively, Tom. I think looking ahead before we pack our bags for the World Cup, uh, United. We got uh, got Sheriff coming up on Friday, so I got a little break between games now. Then we go into West Ham, Real Sociedad, and that ultimately be. You would think that that would be the match that decides who finishes top of the group. Um, then we've got Villa back. Pardon me, back to back. Oh, we won't get to see Steven Gerrard at Old Trafford. Yeah. That's a shame. No, I, was, I was really happy with that news. Obviously, Liverpool losing, but obviously Gerrard losing his job. Well, here we are in a position to talk about personnel and obviously you don't want to see someone lose their job that um, Gerrard has. And we will poke a little bit of fun where we can in regards to that. But he, well, again, he threw himself under the bus. We're talking about Ronaldo threw himself under the bus. Gerrard only has himself to blame in regards to um, yeah, Villa he's actually his manager with a good squad. But if you look at our, our Premier League fixtures, Tom, we've got West Ham, Aston Villa, and Fulham. 
uh, before we pack our bags, before we verse Nottingham Forest on in Boxing Day. So, um, you know, Aston three- Villa, is there a rule for Manchester United, whoever we get in a third round of the League Cup or FA Cup, that we play them in the league within a couple of days? Whoever we get in the first, every game, it's League Cup, then you could play in the Premier League, or you got them in the Premier League, then you got them in the FA Cup. So we've got a double header against Aston Villa, unfortunately. I'm not sure who's um, potentially going to be in charge of them, but it will be interesting. Fingers crossed for that League Cup. I think a lot of people are looking at Jaden Sancho's performances at the moment, and I think lazily, but probably just saying, play Ganacho, play Ganacho. I think he might get his chance now. I think Palestri and maybe obviously Anthony Alanga are ahead of Ganacho, and rightly so, but hopefully Eric Ten Hag can maybe use that time to potentially. Um, experiment with one or two of the younger players. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and yeah, just on Chris's comment, the the Martinez with the fan, awesome. Mm-hmm. We were chatting, me and Tom were chatting about this earlier. That that for that fan, that's a lifetime memory. He'll never forget yeah. that. It's as good as it gets, up close and personal. Um, hopefully, a Bangalore manager's feel for that game. He might be. Imad, he might be the most hated pundit I can think. I can't stand the Bongo. I don't think the most hated. I don't think. I don't think the most hated. I don't think the most hated. Maybe just the dumbest or the worst. Maybe he was a shit footballer too. And I mean, he made it to the Premier League, so I mean, he'd done much better than I ever will. But he was a bang average player. Let's not rewrite history either. Bang average player. It's one of those ones. I forget who made the meme, but he always looks whenever he's talking. He's on the verge of a big sneeze. But um, <laughs> if you do um, sort of not like Gabby Agbonahor, please do leave a like on the video. That'd be very much appreciated. If you did enjoy Man United's performance and sort of the last gasp equaliser from Casemiro, please do leave a like on the video. That'd be great if you are new. If you could hit that subscribe button. Uh, we'll definitely be back in a day or two in regards to obviously previewing the Sheriff match. I'm sure there'll be updates around Ronaldo, for God's sake. I'm sure we'll be back having another, I wouldn't say tedious discussion, but the same discussion over and over again. But um, until then, hopefully everyone um, had a good weekend and is enjoying the rest of their Sunday night. If you are in Australia or if you are in the UK, um, have a good rest of your Sunday. There's Premier League football on today, I assume, Larry? I have no idea. I think Arsenal have got to be playing. They didn't play last night, so I assume Yeah, Arsenal yeah, Arsenal are playing tonight, Southampton. Erlen Haaland. I checked Manchester City. I was out last night. Two goals for Erlen Haaland. A shock. But um, fingers crossed, um, Man United do. What does Haaland have now? going to quickly check this. Must be he must be closing on twenty throughout the season. He's on seventeen goals. Seven. And what's second, that in the league? Who do you think second? Harry Kane. Yeah, on nine goals. Yeah. Oh, that's well, that's the thing. Just in the going into this Tottenham game, going into this Tottenham game last week, if you actually looked at Harry Kane, obviously Martinez um, pocketed him. Veron Martinez did sort of wonders against him. But if you actually look at his season, take Erling Haaland out of the discussion and how many games the Premier League season has been going. This season that Harry Kane, Harry Kane's been brilliant this season in regards to his output. He's killing it, but not one word of it because of obviously what Erling Haaland is doing. But um, yeah, how many games have been played so far this season? 11? 10, 10, 10 or 11. Somewhere on 10, somewhere on 11. I would call that a world class return. Haaland's oh, no, he, Harry Kane's killing it in regards to numbers, but um, yeah, not one bit of discussion. And you can understand obviously why um. Ellen Harland is dominating the headlines. That's but, um, scary. Tom, he's got 1.65 goals per 90. That's insane. No, he's killing it. He met here with um, what's last year's golden boot tally, mid-22 or something. And look, I know nothing about stats from Salah, 22 or 24 goals potentially, I forget. But um, he's going to smash that in a couple of weeks, um, unfortunately. 
But um, fingers crossed it can sort of keep a title in Manchester and not Liverpool because, well, Liverpool aren't winning a title anytime soon, but you know what I mean. I think we're also a little bit sort of hesitant when Liverpool get on a bit of a roll. But yeah, Adam and Emad saying 23 or 24 goals. But as said, please, um, if you did enjoy it, please do leave a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. And Larry and I will be back in a day or two discussing the latest around Manchester United. Until then, um, keep safe. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.